0: Uh, anyhow, I have no idea how I got on that subject. Bring your pictures in and that'll be a blessing to everybody. Are we in the book of Ruth? I'm excited. I love this little book of the Bible. Uh, the theme of Ruth is redemption. And uh, it is an incredible story uh, of mercy and love. And we see a picture of God's love uh, throughout this. Last week, we were introduced uh, in the first five verses uh, to the setting and to the, uh, some of the principal characters in this little book of the Bible. Verse 1 says that now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. If you were here last week, uh, we believe that the story of Ruth occurred early in the rule of the judges. Uh, the reason for that is one of the characters we'll meet in a couple of chapters is a man named Boaz he describes himself as an older man when this took place. Can anybody remember who was Boaz' mother? Rahab, okay? And we met her in all the way back in Joshua chapter 2. Um, and she, she was the harlot who hid the spies Joshua sent in and made a covenant with them that, that, uh, if she got them out safely, that they would spare her life and her family's life. Uh, we know that, uh, she confessed that the the God of Israel was the God and so forth. And from Matthew one, we find out that Rahab was actually in the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, uh, So uh, Boaz was her son, so that would have been somewhere early part of Judges. We think maybe during the time of Gideon, because we looked last week, there was a famine uh, at that particular time. Uh, Now the the Bible began to focus on the characters. There was a certain man, verse 1, of Bethlehem Judah. It is incredible, if you read your Bible, starting in Genesis, how often Bethlehem Judah comes up in the Word of God. It is like that one tiny little town, so much of Bible history centered around that one place. Um, And and here we find it again. Does anybody know what the name Bethlehem means? Bible names almost always had a specific meaning, but they know what the word Bethlehem means. It means house of bread, okay? And then interesting, the bread of life, was born in Bethlehem. Uh, It means the house of bread. So there's a famine in the land, if you will. Now there's a lack of bread. Bethlehem, Judah, and there was this man, uh, his name is Elimelech, that's identified in verse two. The Bible says he went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. So we meet this man, Elimelech. We see that he makes a decision based on his circumstances. He ignores the promises and the power of God. He ignores the fact that for for Israel's history, God fed them with manna in the wilderness for 40 years. God sent quails into the camp. Uh, God had given them many, many promises about his care and provision. And all of a sudden, a famine comes, and Elimelech just decides not to trust God. I don't think he was necessarily shaking his fist in God's face. I don't necessarily think that he was a wicked man, but it was certainly not operating in the realm of faith. And he said, things are tough here in Bethlehem, but over in Moab, boy, everything's good over there. Moab was to the east. Uh, we looked last week extensively. The Moabites were people that God actually placed a curse on because in the days when Israel was headed towards the promised land at the end of 40 years, um, the Moabites hired a false prophet named Balaam to try to curse Israel, and God wouldn't let it happen. God kept turning the curse into a blessing, but Balaam came up with an idea, and he said, look, we're not going to do it that way by cursing them, but here's how we can get, get uh, them under the curse of God. You send your daughters over to where the Israelites are and let them flirt with them, and uh, uh, the, 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 those boys will start dating and marrying your daughters. And, 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 and uh, same thing with the sons and the daughters of Israel. And uh, uh, through that, you'll just intermingle. You'll teach them to worship your gods, and you'll bring down God's wrath upon Israel. It's called the doctrine of Balaam. Did his doctrine work? Yeah, very much so. And God judged Israel harshly. Thousands of people died. Uh, in the plague that God sent as a result of that, but also God judged the country of Moab and cursed them. And so Elimelech, rather than go east to where uh, that you know Reuben and Gad and the half tribe of Manasseh had land uh, and 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 just be with God's people there, they went to Moab. Um and he thought that was going to be fine. But notice again, verse one, he only went to sojourn. The word sojourn means what class? Yeah, temporary stay, just to just visit there, just going for a little while. And that was his intention, but he's going to stay for a very long time. We're introduced, his name's Elimelech. The name of his wife is Naomi. Her name means pleasant. The name of his two sons, Malon and Kilian, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. They came into the country of Moab, and notice it says, and they continued there. They didn't sojourn. They moved in they continued there. We're assuming that Elimelech may have found a good job. Uh, They may have found it to be a pleasant place to live and and the economy was good. And so now they're putting down their roots and they stayed there. Verse 3, And Elimelech, Naomi's husband died and she was left under two sons. Tragedy strikes. Tragedy strikes, as it always will. Um, And it would have happened, Elimelech may have died if they had stayed in Bethlehem Judah, but she would have been surrounded by family and loved ones and so forth, but they're in a far country, and she's bereaved of her husband. Uh, the Bible says they took them wives, or two sons, of the women of Moab. Uh, they exposed their children to the Moabites, and their children adopted Moabite ways. Moms and dads, be careful what we, we allow our children to be exposed to. Uh, I remember, oh, it was a, a two, three years ago. Um, all of a sudden uh, we heard Tommy I think it was Tommy using the Lord's name in vain he said oh my G-O-D and that's not a phrase we use in our home uh, at all Um, you know we're not we're not supposed to do that as believers amen but here's here's a boy Tommy would have been five maybe six years old at the time and here's a six year old child saying the word O-M-G only he's he's saying the phrase and, of course, Rob and Anna, uh, they, were, they were very, very concerned, mortified that he picked it up. And at first they thought, well, maybe it's something that he's hearing at school. Tommy, because of his autism, uh, goes to a program uh, at a public school in Meriden uh, and so forth. And then they found the cul- the, that the culprit was a whole lot closer to home than that. Um, Tommy was watching a children's program on YouTube called Ryan's World. It's a little boy. Um, and he's he's his he and his family are multi multi millionaires through this. Who just made stupid videos of this kid playing with toys, and uh, toy companies put him under contract and were play were paying him uh, to to uh, sample their toys on these videos and so forth. And it just so happened that this little boy Ryan, and he was at the time. Probably nine, ten years old, something like that. Here's this little boy, and he repeatedly used the phrase, oh, my, uh, G-O-D, that type of thing. Rob and Anna thought it was a harmless children's show, just, you know, a kid playing with toys, that type of thing. You say, do they watch Ryan's World anymore? Nope. Nope. Uh, they decided to know Tommy, and they explained to him why, because Ryan doesn't talk nice. Ryan talks and uses God's name in vain, and they taught Tommy about that. Um, and that's just a simple example how our children can get exposed to things. So moms and dads, we need to be ever watchful, don't we? Um, and, and I realize that we can't be with them 24-7, uh, so we need to teach them from the time they're young uh, what the Bible says, and get that, that put in their hearts so they recognize sin when it comes. But uh, Elimelech and Naomi took their boys to Moab, so it was no surprise they married these Moabite girls. The name of the one was Orpah. Uh, interesting thing. How many are familiar with Oprah Winfrey? Her name was supposed to be Orpah, but on uh, her birth certificate, her mom spelled it wrong. Um, why you would name your daughter Orpah after a Moabite girl, I don't know. But now that you know that the Bible has deeper meaning for you, um, and the other was Ruth and they dwelled there about 10 years. And then the Bible says in Malon and Kilion died also both of them. And the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. So you got three widows living together. Naomi is what you would refer to maybe as the matriarch, um, those, those girls became her daughters when they married her sons. Naomi has a responsibility towards them now, uh, but uh, Moab hasn't turned out as wonderful as they thought it was. Um, they, they thought it was, uh, you know, the land of milk and honey, but they're realizing that's what they left to go there. Uh, verse number six, uh, we're going to see that uh, Naomi's going to make a choice. And you heard the phrase, maybe the choices have consequences. Is, is that true or false? Sure, it is. You get on the highway and the, the posted speed limit is 65, but you choose to go 85, um, and you pass a state trooper, what, what is probably going to happen? You're probably going to get to see his Christmas lights come on on top of his car. Uh, He's going to give you a gift, uh, and, you know, it's going to be worth a whole lot of money and get points in your license because choices have consequences, both good and bad. Um, And and her and her husband made a a bad choice. It's turned out difficult for them. Now she's going to make a new one. Then she arose with her daughter's in-law that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. That must have been a sad bit of news for her because God did something special for the people of Bethlehem, Judah. All the people that stayed there. All the people that stayed and put their faith in their God to take care of them. And we're not sure what the Lord did, but it, it, uh, the, the, the text indicates that this was something very special. Uh, That the Lord did for these people, He visited them in giving them bread. And she's missed out on that. She's missed out on the blessing. God always blesses faith. He always, always, always blesses faith. Uh, I preached down at Bella Vista a week or so ago for their missions conference, and I borrowed uh, from uh, a sermon my son had preached about the mustard seed. If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, And I passed out mustard seeds to all of the folks there and they were carefully holding them in their hand and they were astounded how tiny it was and and so forth. I said, but you understand there are mustard seeds that will grow into trees that are up to 20 feet tall from what Jesus said is the least of all seeds. But that faith has to be planted. That seed has to be planted before it'll grow. As long as you hold it in your hand or put it back in the packet... Nothing's going to happen. You have to plant it. We plant faith by acting upon it, by obeying it, by doing what God said, by trusting the Lord. And Naomi and her husband had not done so, and uh, they missed out on the blessing of the Lord. Verse 7, wherefore, she went forth out of the place where she was. The sojourn that became continued there. Um, All of a sudden, she's decided, it's time to put this to an end, and she's going to go back home. Um, she's going to um, go, go back to Bethlehem where, where God's blessing was. To understand how hard that could have been for Naomi, she's going to have to swallow her pride. It's hard to admit making a mistake. Have, have you ever noticed that? It, 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 You know, even if it was made sincerely or if it was made defiantly, you know, it's very, very hard to admit a mistake. It's like the hubby who uh, knows he's lost but is not about to admit it to his wife. uh, She keeps asking, "Uh, should we stop and ask for directions? No, I know where I'm at. You know, and you're 500 miles away from your destination going in the wrong direction. Uh, Human pride is a hard thing to overcome, and Naomi has to swallow that. She's not going home. She's not going home a wealthy woman. She's not going home with her husband and her sons and their daughter-in-law and grandchildren, all of this kind of stuff, uh, to say, yeah, the far country was, uh, was, uh, was not that bad at all. And, and, and look how, I, I know you got bread, but we were blessed too. She's not going home like that. Um, she's going to go home and later tell her, buddy, don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara because I'm a bitter lady. I'm a bitter lady. Um, the, the prodigal son left with a high hand. Uh, in Luke chapter 15, and he went to the far country, and he had wealth, and the Bible says he wasted his substance in riotous living. Life was one big party, but pretty soon the money ran out, and and again there was a famine came in the land of the far country, and uh, we're not sure how long he sat in the pig pen, but one day the Bible says when he came to himself, he said, "How many of my father's servants have?" Food enough, uh, meat enough in despair, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in thy sight. Make me as one of thy hired servants. I'm no longer worthy to be your son. I have no idea why it took him so long to come to himself, uh, but I'm, I'm going to guess, and I think I'm on safe ground here, his pride played into that. And it kept him from his father's house and all that his father wanted to do for him uh, because of pride. And Naomi's got to swallow that. She's coming home empty-handed. She doesn't know if her house belongs to her anymore or the fields and lands. Uh, She doesn't know if people wonder if she's dead or alive uh, and so forth. And so she's got to make a choice, and she said, I'm going to go home. And anytime we decide to go home to the father and to the father's plan for our lives, we're, we're going in a good direction finally. And so uh, she's, she's going to head home, but she's got these two daughter-in-laws, these Moabite girls. Uh, You've got to understand, the Israelites, it was, it was Im- embedded in their memory, that curse upon the Moabite people. Um, and they understood what what happened to them. They were judged harshly, uh, and it wasn't all that long. It wasn't like hundreds of years ago. It was a matter of a few decades ago uh, that that that, uh, incident with Moab happened. She's going to walk back in, and she's got these two Moabite girls. They look different than the Israelite girls. They talk differently. Even if there was a common language, and it's believed that there was throughout the ancient world, uh, every country had their own dialect, and they had their own accent on it. Um, when I went to England, uh, I loved the British accent. Um, and I was at Dave Soult's Church up in the northern part of England in Preston. And in his church, he had a, a, a young man from Ireland. And I thought I liked the British accent, but then I heard that Irish accent coming in. And I thought, yeah, I wish I was born in Ireland. And then somebody come in from Scotland where my mother's family all came from. And I thought, forget Ireland. You know, I, I wish I had that Scottish brogue going. And they're all speaking English, but a little different. You understand Ruth and, and uh, Orpa, they may have spoken a common language they could communicate with the Jewish people, um, but it, it, would, it would be different. They would stand out in every way. Um, and uh, probably be judged, probably be hated for who they were. And Naomi herself would be looked down upon if she brought them in uh, and so forth. And so she gives her daughter's-in-law a choice. Verse 8, Naomi said unto her two daughter's-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as ye have uh, dealt with the dead and with me. Lord grant you that she may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voice and wept. So she's just, she's assuming this is a parting of the ways. There's no point in coming home with me. It's probably not a good idea. By the way, the, the main God of Moab that these girls would have been raised worshiping was a God named Chemosh. Chemosh. Kemosh was often pictured in sculpture, statuary, and so forth, uh, as a God that had the head of a bull, a, a bull, and the body of sort of a fat guy. It's like Buddha with a bull's head on him. Um, and that's often how he was pictured. Um, and he was called, the, his name, Kemosh, means the subduer of our enemies. And, uh, Uh, That was the the main god that the the Moabites worshipped. They had lesser gods and goddesses, but Chemosh was the big one. And the uh, horrible part of the worship of Chemosh was it required human sacrifice. Uh, We find it actually in the Bible, 2 Kings chapter 3. 2 Kings chapter 3. There's a war with Israel against the Moabites in which the the children of Israel are actually going to win. God is going to help them to do that. Verse 26, when the king of Moab saw that the battle was too sore for him, it was beyond his control, they were losing, he took with him 700 men that drew swords to break through. Even under the king of Edom, who was confederate with Israel in this war, but they could not. Then he took his eldest son that should have reigned in his stead and offered him for a burnt offering upon the wall. in the sight of everybody killed his own son, the heir to the throne. Uh, That'd be like Prince Charles taking William and publicly executing and offering him as a burnt offering uh, there in in England. Uh, And there was great indignation against Israel. They departed from him and returned to their own land. It was a brutal religion in every way. Um, And uh, that's that's where Ruth and Orpah came from. So she's telling them to go home. Uh, they're all weeping and crying about it. Obviously, there was a, a close bond between these three ladies. Verse 10, they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. No, no, we're going we're to stay with you. We're going to go with you. And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters. Why will ye go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters. Go your way. For I am too old to have an husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband also tonight and should also bear sons, would ye tarry for them till they were grown? Would ye stay for them uh, from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. So she reasons with these two girls, said, uh, there's nothing for you in my land. She said, if I were to get married today, she said, number one, I'm an old lady. I have no more sons for you to marry. If I were to get married and somehow have sons, it'd be, it'd be almost two decades before they'd be old enough to get married. And you're not going to remain a widow and, and wait around all of that time. Uh, and, and it's not going to happen. Uh, it, it's an impossibility. And she just said, you need to go. And she made a statement at the end of verse 13, for it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Naomi, at this point in her life, has a bit of a tendency to blame her problems on God. We'll see that towards the end of this chapter. She says, the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Whether or not that she's taking to heart that it's, it's a chastisement that she brought on herself, that her and her husband, by a bad decision... The Bible doesn't reveal that, but she's going to speak again about how the Lord has dealt bitterly with her. And, uh, and she says, it, it, it really grieves me. My heart's broken that because the hand of the Lord has gone against me, it's hurting you. No one sins alone. You understand that when we do wrong, it hurts other people. When we backslide, it hurts other people. Um, a wayward child grieves the heart of a parent, does it not? Um, uh, friendship friendships can be damaged because of sin, uh, and it, it's like dominoes that just just affects so many people. and And uh, Naomi is admitting admitting now these two girls they're 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 sort of paying the price, if you will. There's They're suffering in their lives because of Naomi's bad choice. Verse 14, they lifted up their voice and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. When it says that Orpah kissed her, that means kissed her goodbye. Orpah said, you're right, I'm just going to go home. I'm going to go to my father's house. She's going to go back. Well, she's not going back. She's going to stay in Moab, continue with her life as it was before, but Ruth makes a different choice. Ruth is going to be the star of the show from this point on. A remarkable, remarkable young lady. The Bible says she clave unto her. That, that, that word clave, that's what Adam said uh, in Genesis. For this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. It's the idea of two things uh, being so intermeshed together that they're inseparable anymore. It's it's all one. And and Ruth is doing that with her mother-in-law. It's a Moabite girl with a Jewish lady. Different backgrounds in in every way. And she, Naomi, said, Behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Wow, do you realize what Orpah is going back to? She's going back to a religion that requires human sacrifice. She's gone to her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. She's not saying she doesn't want necessarily Ruth to go with her. She's saying that I have nothing to offer you. There's no point in being with me. And Ruth said, entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and look at this, and thy God, my God. There's a conversion taking place here. Um, I don't don't think Naomi was always a a bad example. They made some bad choices. They went where they shouldn't have gone. They stayed much longer than they should have stayed there. Uh, But apparently, Naomi did have a testimony or a witness of some kind about the Lord God of Israel. Um, we sometimes in wedding songs here, verse 16, uh, again, uh, whither thou goest, I will go where thou lodgest, I will lodge that this wasn't about a wedding. Okay. Uh, this was a Moabite girl making a total change of direction in her life. Uh, wherever you go, Naomi, that's where I'm going to go. I'm going to stay with you. I'm not giving up on you and I'm accepting your God as my God marvelous decision it's going to change her life and that one decision is going to change all of history. Sometimes we're, we don't necessarily see the big picture of things uh, but but even small decisions can have huge eternal consequences. Uh, it, it's amazing what God can do with a, with a decision of faith. I, I mentioned this again at Bella Vista. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, or a week ago when I preached down there. In 1972 in August, uh, the Church of the Open Door in Greensburg, Pennsylvania decided to have uh, a ministry called Neighborhood Bible Time come in and uh, lead the church in an outreach to to reach boys and girls and teenagers for Christ. Um, uh, It's like a glorified vacation Bible school. It's, It's Bible school on steroids. It's an incredible program been around for decades. Um, and, uh, so the church, the open door was bringing, uh, uh, them in and they got their people involved and, uh, they said, we're gonna, we're gonna borrow, uh, buses wherever we can get them. And we're going to send them out all over, uh, the Greensburg and Jeanette. They were twin cities area and, uh, Delmont another uh, town in the area. And we're going to do our best to fill those buses and bring them in, uh, teach them the Bible, teach them the message of salvation and so forth. Um, The week before uh, this this Bible time program was supposed to go on, they they said, we got to canvas all of of these cities. Greensburg uh, was a town then of about 36,000 people. Uh, Jeanette was a town of about 15,000 at the time. And then all the little country towns around it, they said, we're going to knock on every door. Uh, we're going to talk to moms and dads. We're going to show them where the bus is going to be the following uh, Monday and see if we can sign up their kids to ride the bus and so forth. And there were two ladies. One was Joy Blystone and the other was Connie Shrag. They were housewives. They both had small children. Uh, uh, Joy also had a couple of young teenagers in her home. Um, and uh, they decided that they were going to give some time the week before Bible time to go out and knock on doors. It was August. Uh, early August. It was blistering hot. And they just came to a a subdivision called West Point where our family had just moved into two weeks prior. And I remember the day there was the knock on the door. My mom went to answer the door and we're all kind of watching. And uh, Connie and Joy talked to my mom and told her about the program, told her where the bus would pick us up. And my mom signed us up to ride the bus to go to neighborhood Bible time. Two ladies, housewives, Housewives. Neither one of them preachers. Neither one of them, uh, you know, uh, if, if you will, outstanding. And, and I don't mean that as a put down. I mean they're just two ordinary ladies. Housewives gave up some time on a hot August day to knock on doors. They had no idea that my brother and sister and I, uh, sister and I were going to ride the bus and we were going to go to the Church of the Open Door on Thursday of that week. On the same day. In three different departments, we were three different ages, my brother, my sister, and myself all got saved and trusted Christ as Savior. They had no idea when they knocked on the door that day that uh, one of the boys in that house would be called to preach and be a youth pastor and start a church and then come to Connecticut and pastor a church. They had no idea. They had no idea that the oldest son was going to stay in that church. He's been in that church for 52 years. He has run buses and or vans for 52 years. He's still there. Wednesday night, he's older than I am. He's 68 years old. My brother is still running the Wednesday night kids program. Uh, It's now the Open Door Baptist Church. They had no idea. They had no idea that the girl that was going to ride the bus uh, was going to become a church pianist. And she's she's been playing piano for an independent fundamental Baptist church. Uh, for about 35 years now. They had, no, they had no idea that that little act of faith was going to bear that kind of fruit. And Ruth has made a decision, as Naomi has, that is going to have bigger results than even that, which I described by way of personal testimony. Verse 18, when she saw that was she was steadfastly minded to go with her, Ruth's mind was made up, Then she left speaking unto her. Ruth was as determined to go in the right direction as years before Naomi and Elimelech had been determined to go in the wrong one. We need to stop there for sake of time.